everybody, and welcome back to The Wizarding Words with Ben Barnes. Um, I am Ben Barnes, obviously. Um, we kind of took a weird, unexpected hiatus. Um, the first week we missed was because I felt like I wanted to go see Lego Batman instead of recording, and that is true. Um, and the second week, it was just weird scheduling conflict stuff. Um, and also, uh, by the time you're listening to this, it would have been a week ago, but um, I got my wisdom teeth out on Monday, so the Sunday night that we were going to record, I just decided um, I just wanted to chill uh, before that happened. Uh, but we are back, and we are back for weekly episodes, uh, I promise. Anyway, uh, we left off, if you can remember, um, talking about... Goblet of Fire, our first in our series of uh, Goblet of Fire discussions. Uh, wonderful talk. Uh, today, or this week, I am joined by, um, once again, by my friend Ben Dorsch. Hello, hello. Uh, and we're just going to dive right in, back into uh, Goblet of Fire, as if we never left. Anyway, um, so, at the end of our last chat, uh, the start of term feast was interrupted by the sudden appearance of the menacing weird terrifying looking mad-eye moody um who brandon uh remarked is his favorite character um based solely on design um and so 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 not only did we get a glimpse of uh mad-eye the new defense against the dark arts teacher who was also an or um we were also given the information that this year Hogwarts will be hosting the Tri-Wizard Tournament, a, a, a tournament between um, three wizarding schools um, that will, will, will give the, the, the school and the champion chosen a, um, a shot at, at, at eternal glory. Um, and a- after this announcement's made, uh, I, I said that Harry is kind of like oh okay this year doesn't have to be all about me um and that feeling unfortunately does not last very long um another point that i want to talk about that we didn't touch on last time was um so at the um quidditch world cup the the kids witnessed kind of the mistreatment of a house elf named uh winky by her master uh barty crouch and that really left a bad like ron was like oh that's how that's how house elves are treated that's what house elves are for um harry doesn't really think too much of it um but it really leaves a bad taste in hermione's mouth so when she gets to the start so when we get to the start of term feast um someone lets slip like that or fred and george explain how they they know how to get into the kitchen um, and they go and take food and stuff, whatever, at night. And the the kitchen staff is completely made of made out of house elves. I think they say that they have the, the the most house elves out of any like one place in Britain or whatever. Um, so that night, Hermione refuses to eat because um, <laughs> her meal was concocted uh, through the uh, institution of slave labor, um, which is an admirable stance. Um, I mean, the kind of like 
casual thinking of the enslavement of house elves is kind of weird uh, in that it doesn't really get resolved. Like, yeah, it's kind of just, a, yeah. um, and I mean, I like it, 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 it's just another form of, um, oppression and prejudice that like to show that the magical community is also not super perfect uh they don't have their head on straight about a lot of stuff um same with you know there's not really racism in um the 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 wizarding word but or world (laughs) um but but there's prejudice against blood status um so this is kind of another instance of that yeah um adding on to that whole like flaws of society thing right that the grass isn't fully green around that yeah exactly and it makes the world more three-dimensional there are flaws in this you know in a lesser written book there this magical world would have been perfect yeah um aside from the evil wizard who's trying to destroy everyone (laughs) so um that 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 issue kind of begins so um when term starts the first day of school um and it's another first day of school chapter, uh, which is kind of boring sometimes. But Hermione decides like she's not going to go on a hunger strike anymore, but she's going to start actively trying to um, bring awareness and uh, liberate the house elves. Um, and uh, much to the um, dismay of Ron, who is, is constantly like, they like it, stop. Um, anyway, so on the first day of school, they, they go through their classes, they go through herbology and, um, and they have, uh, um, care for magical creatures with Hagrid. Uh, this year they're looking after these monstrous creatures called blast ended scroots, um, which are not, we are led to believe later they're kind of like a thing that Hagrid has bred himself. Um, they're like, they're like, now they're all like kind of pink and gooey because they haven't like grown their, um, exoskeleton. So, but they grow into these big monsters with like, uh, like a scorpion tail and then another tail that like shoots out fire and then like a sucker on the end and it doesn't have a face and it's just like a crab. It's a little, like, um, thing, and the, the, and obviously everyone hates it. The, some of the comedy of these with Hagrid comes from the fact that he insists on doing all these weird things and the students just like really don't like it. So <laughs> to the point where sometimes they'll bring in like a, a substitute care for magical creatures teacher and everyone loves her <laughs> um because she doesn't do the weird shit that haggard does um just a bummer because that's the best stuff yeah <laughs> I mean, well i mean like yeah, but they're to... not it's not dangerous yeah, <laughs> um it's gotta be nice too i guess um so uh and then so their last class of the day is divination with uh, professor trelawney um who we have established is this crazy um fraud <laughs> um some t- most yeah, of the time most of the time, um yeah. at least as far as she's concerned yeah maybe. right well she doesn't <laughs> she yeah she's not even aware that sometimes she's right anyway mm-hmm. um hermione quit this class at the end of uh or towards the end of last year and uh but harry and ron stay with it 
um, begrudgingly. And so talking about the maturity level kind of bumping up in these last two books, um, there's this weird scene where Lavender Brown um, talks about how the, the, the orientation of Uranus on her, her star map um, for divination because uh, the way the planets are oriented in, in conjunction with each other is uh, will affect the, the tides of fate. Uh, st- stupid stuff like that. Um, and Ron says, oh, can I see Uranus too, Lavender? Uh, which results in more homework for everyone in the class, which is so that's like a weird joke for her to make, especially if you think about where this, (laughs) but like at the same time, it's, it's weird that a Uranus joke is in Harry Potter at all. Um, there are two of them in the series and that's not a lie. Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. There's one next year too. Um, um, but at the same time. That's that's a joke a fourteen year old would make, yeah, you know. True. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean, like, it's I always realistic. yeah, that's the... yeah. I I always credit her on how realistically she writes the kids, like how they feel, like they're actually real kids. Um, so I, I mean, guess stuff like that is, yeah. I mean, yeah, well, like, and I think they're starting to try to like convince people that it's Uranus. Um, and everyone's like, no. <laughs> uh, give us half a Stop. decade. They say we'll end up saying it's not a planet. We'll yeah. <laughs> um, so that kind of happens, and then they go to dinner, and Malfoy is kind of a shit to Ron. Um, and because uh, Rita Skeeter wrote a um, less than um, pleasant article toward uh ron's dad so malfoy used it to make fun of of the weasleys um and that turns into harry countering with a uh rude remark about uh malfoy's mother who they met at the quidditch world cup um was saying something about like how she always looks like she's smelling shit because she lives with him something like that 14 year old insults yeah, um and so jokes. yeah and so that kind of sparks this kind of fight ish between um harry and ron and um draco um until uh Ma- uh alistair moody and mad eye moody intervenes uh by turning malfoy uh using the transfiguration um, to turn him into a ferret. And he kind of like <laughs> whips him around in the air and stuff. Um, only to be caught by Professor McGonagall, who obviously objects. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's got to be terrifying. Yeah, so she, like, we do never, we never use transfiguration as a punishment, she says. <laughs> and uh, she's like, Shirley Dumbledore told you that. And Moody says something like, he might have mentioned it um and uh, uh, just to be clear again whenever i say moody in these talks uh know that it's with quotation marks around it bec- like air quotes around it because obviously it is not in fact alistair moody mm-hmm. um but again i like to imagine that barty Crouch jr was playing his role so well that this that, was, that yeah. this would be a, you know more or less how moody would act 
Yeah, because, uh, I mean, it's unbeknownst to us as the reader. We think this is the actual character. So, I mean, I like to believe that Rowling wasn't <laughs> writing this character thinking that it was another... Like, like she, yeah, I mean, yeah, she she wanted to portray Moody in a way mm-hmm. that would be representative of him, yeah. even when we met the real him. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, or we can, or or so we can hope. Yeah. Anyway, um, they go they go to dinner and they talk about how cool Moody is and like, oh, that's fucking tight. Uh, he turned Malfoy into a ferret. Uh, they talked to Fred and George and Fred and George was like, yeah, we had, um, we had defense with him and it's like crazy. Um, and so dinner is, goes on and Hermione leaves early to work on this, uh, little project she has extracurricular work. Um, (laughs) and like, she's like, I have to go to do like. I think she says I have to go to the library and Ron's like, they haven't even given us homework yet. Like you need to chill. Um, anyway, so the next day, uh, maybe it's not the next day, but on, on no, on later in the week is their first class with Moody and everyone's like, this guy's crazy. What's, what's going to happen? Um, and so Moody despite being told that he shouldn't do this teaches the kids about a a new concept that we're introduced to in this book which is the three unforgivable curses um there is the imperious curse which uh kind of robs people of their free will um there's the Cruciatus curse, which is the torture curse. Um, it sends like blinding, agonizing pain all through your like body. Um, and then of course, Avada Kedavra, the, the, the killing curse. Um, and Moody demonstrates these, all three of these curses on a spider for, um, which kind of upsets the class. Mm Um, and, so that that kind of like leaves the class shell shocked, especially Neville. Uh, we don't know what the deal with Neville really is yet, um, but we know that. Uh, but we see here that the Cruciatus curse really really bothers him. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so later that night, um, Ron and Harry are making up answers to their divination homework because that's a class you can basically bullshit as long and they're like oh as long as it's about us dying or something it'll be fine she'll accept (laughs) it um and hermione comes in full force and is like i've started this organization it's called the society for the promotion of elfish welfare um her house elf rights um activist group um, which she does not realize uh, or does not care, spells S-P-E-W. Um, and for those of you who don't get the joke, um, <laughs> spew is um, British slang for vomit. Yeah. So Ron's like, why would you call it spew? And she's like, it's not spew, it's S-P-E-W. Anyway, 
Um, and it, it, it's it, it's honestly it's it's very cute how she's like so like excited about this because she's like she comes down she's got like she's like okay I thought I think this is how much we should charge for people to get in and then Harry you're gonna be the treasurer so you should keep or no Harry you're the secretary so you should actually be writing all this down and Ron <laughs> you're gonna be the treasurer so you should carry this tin around with you she's got like a money tin yeah. like that you use it like um. Like school sporting events when like you work at the concessions and stuff. And stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, um, and they're just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, they're just like blasted in the face with this and mm. they don't really get any say. Um, and interrupting this kind of part is um, Hedwig returns and um, with, with a reply from Sirius Black. Um, Harry sent a letter up to serious about kind of what's been going on, what happened at the Triwords or the Quidditch World Cup. Um, and Sirius says, this is very, um, very troubling. I'm coming back to Britain as soon as I can. He's been, we're led to believe he's been abroad. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of, that kind of weighs on Harry a little bit, the guilt of, Oh, he's he's gonna get caught, and it's gonna be my fault because I I said something to him, and mm-hmm. he he thinks he should come back now, um, which I mean that that kind of guilt of like I don't know about you, but like I always get guilty when people do anything for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that feeling like oh, I, like I oh. hate that. Like mm-hmm. if I'm over at your house and you offer me something to eat, I'm gonna say no. Because, oh, man. like, not you specifically, uh, but anyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, you want to be polite. And that's yeah, the, yeah. B- yeah, and n- not eat. Um, I think it's crazy when you find out that people consider it rude when you don't accept it. Yeah, yourself. right. You it's weird. You don't know what to do. And so like, <laughs> yeah, no, I fully, fully sympathize with that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I, I've had a lot of experiences just like, dude, stop being nice to me. <laughs> I'm not that great. Um, anyway. Uh, so the kids kind of go through the in one of the next classes they have with moody um he decides to start testing the imperious curse on them um which is illegal but he's like you got to know what you're up against that's his whole philosophy um and uh constant vigilance as he says anyway um and it, it what's impresses him the most i think is um he tries it on harry and they describe the imperious curse as being like this voice in your head commanding you to do something and it's just like this euphoric feeling of yes i want to do that um and so he's made several of the students do like ridiculous things like gymnastics and like yeah singing and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um and it kind of narrates what happens to Harry, and it says, like, the voice says, jump onto the desk. And at first, Harry's like, you know what? That sounds awesome. I'm going to do that. Um, but it, he starts to be able to, like, no, I'm not sure I want to do that, um, uh-huh. which leads to him half-heartedly jumping onto the desk uh, and falling, um, to which Moody is like, oh, like that's good like you didn't actually jump on the desk so he tries it like several more times on harry until he yeah. fights it off completely uh again kind of marking that quidditch and defense against the dark arts are the two things that harry's like really good at mm-hmm. um yeah. 
and uh, and they go through about a month of school. Um, nothing really happens uh, until one day they are informed that classes on October thirtieth will end early um, to welcome the two schools that are also competing in the Triwizard Tournament. Uh, that being Bobaton uh, Academy of Magic in uh, Paris, or in France, I don't know that they specify Paris, um, and uh, the Durmstrang Institute um, in Scandinavia. It's that's, that's as specific as they get. Um, and so Snape kind of makes this idle threat that he might start poisoning the students uh, to test their, like, knowledge of poisons and also their ability to make an antidote like he like i think they they have to make antidotes in one of their first things and they're like okay well i'm gonna poison you and see if your antidote works <laughs> um terrifying yeah i oh, mean man. like <laughs> like well you'd probably save them if they're gonna die or something well yeah we we would hope um <laughs> anyway um Harry, the the night he got the he, the the letter from Sirius, he the, the next morning he woke up and sent Sirius another letter. Uh, don't come. I I'm I'm okay. Like don't worry about it. Um, and so on October thirtieth, um, at breakfast, Hermione's going on about spew, and she talks to Fred and George, and Fred and George are like, look, you, like. The house of Hogwarts have it good. Like you should go see, like how well off they actually are. Um, and she says, "No, they're being brainwashed." Blah blah blah. Um, and Harry gets another letter from Sirius, where Sirius is like, "Don't try to lie to me. I'm coming home to make sure you're safe." <laughs> um, as I think a good Godfather probably would do. Just um, two scenarios where. Two people are like, I know what's best for you, regardless of what you're telling me. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so that night, uh, all the school gathers outside to uh, welcome the new, the the other schools, the delegations from the other schools. Um, And the first people to arrive are Bobaton. Um, who come in this periwinkle, like, carriage the size of, like, a big house, um, drawn by Pegasuses, Pegasi, I don't know. Um, I'm leaning towards Pegasuses. Um, anyway, so, like, they're like, holy shit, like, this is, like, crazy, um, obviously they the other schools want to show up in as flashy a way as possible um and uh we also meet madame maxime who is the uh the headmistress of of bobaton who's um like taller than hagrid and everyone's like oh whoa (laughs) um and um and so after the bobaton delegation comes they're like oh like i wonder what the Durmstrang people are gonna fly in on maybe it'll be a dragon um but the the, the, but Durmstrang does not in fact fly um and a as a they see a giant ship um kind of rise out of uh the black lake which 
begs kind of the question like oh is the black lake some kind of portal or is it just like that the ship transported underneath the water whatever i mean if you can if you can teleport through a fireplace I beg okay to yeah assume a ship can teleport through a body of water yeah i don't know how <laughs> i mean yeah, yeah who cares it's Must magic be a really good boat though magic <laughs> that's just that's all that's all you need to exactly, say exactly yeah um and we also meet so this is when we meet igor uh igor karkaroff who is the the headmaster of Durmstrang, um and Kind of sketchy. We get a bad feeling about him the first time we meet him. Um, we later find out, of course, this is because he was once a Death Eater. Uh-huh. Anyway. Um, so, they all file in. Oh, and, and the big like attraction is that Durmstrang, uh, one of the Durmstrang students is Victor Krum, who is the uh, world-renowned seeker uh, for Bulgaria, who um, the kids saw at the, the, the World Cup earlier and ron has an action figure of in his room um uh and so ron's like i hope he sits with us uh but as they kind of file into the great hall bobaton sit at the ravenclaw table because ravenclaws are a little snooty just like them uh the french and uh um the the Durmstrang kids sit with the Slytherin, which uh, like it makes sense that they have the most in common. The dark arts is kind of stressed at Durmstrang, um, so them naturally gravitating towards the Slytherins, uh, it, it's not unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of places like the schools' ideologies in context for the reader then. Yeah, like right. Yeah. So like because all the houses are separated by table. Uh, Bobaton and Durmstrang are put in this awkward position of like who like what table at lunch do we sit at? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um Do I sit with nerds? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how like high school is. Um anyway. <laughs> um And so so Dumbledore gets up and he introduces Madame Maxime and Igor Karkaroff and the um other two judges for the Triwizard Tournament, um, which we have already met. Um, Barty Crouch Sr., um, who is the head of inter of the Department of Intermagical Cooperation, and um, so they they kind of organize getting this together. And uh, Ludo Bagman, um, the gambling ex Quidditch player, uh, who is the head of the Department of Magical Games and Sports. Um, so they're also gonna kind of be around and be the judges for this year. Uh, and we are also introduced to the namesake of the book, the Goblet of Fire, this powerful, uh, intelligent, magical object, uh, which will be selecting the champions for the Triwizard Tournament. Um, you, it's pretty simple. You put your name in if you want to be like chosen, uh, and it'll spit it out and decide who is who is the, 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 the rightful champions, I guess. Um and so, and Dumbledore also informs the students I'm going to be drawing an age line around it. Uh, anyone under the age of 17 will not be able to um, participate. So, naturally, Fred and George are like, we're going to try to work around that. Um, and so the next day, it's kind of all exciting. Everyone's putting their name in. Um, Victor Crumb puts his name in, obviously. Um, s- several 
people from each school do. Um, Angelina Johnson throws her name in, um, which is uh, a member of the Quidditch team that Harry plays on. Um, and uh, Cedric Diggory also does. So, um, obviously, Fred and George's aging potion doesn't work. <laughs> and uh, they get spit out and um, grow long hair and beards. And it's very <laughs> funny. Uh, um, even Dumbledore kind of admits oh that's pretty funny Uh, anyway so in this kind of exciting day of of who who might get chosen tonight um, by the Goblet of Fire uh, Harry and Ron and Hermione decide to go visit Hagrid who they find is like trying to look good for Madame Maxime who he wants to impress (laughs) so they're like what is going on um (laughs) <laughs> and, um, and then Hermione's like, do you want to join Spew Hagrid? And he's like, no. <laughs> um, you, like, you'd be doing him a disservice, Hermione. Um, because he, he's also under the impression that, oh, if you free them, they're not going to know what to do with themselves. Um, and so then the night comes and the champions are about to be picked. Uh, it spits out the Durmstrang champion, Victor Crumb. Mm-hmm. It spits out the Bulbaton champion, Fleur Delacour, who um, is... the most is, French name in the world. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, well, she, and she's also a huge bitch in this book, but um, she comes in later, and it's not as bad. Yeah. Anyway, um, and then it spits out the Hogwarts champion, Cedric Diggory, um, which is cool, because uh, I think we said last time it... Hufflepuffs don't really get, like, glory. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the chosen champion is from a is from Hufflepuff, like, that's a big deal for them. Yeah. That's... Um, and so, hey, everything's good. Let's go f- for the tournament. Uh, oh, wait. One more name flies out of the Goblet of Fire. Can you guess who it is? <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah. So, so at, at one point... When Harry was like, "Oh, finally, Sears not about me." Yeah, uh, not coming right down. Let's yeah, see. so now it's like it, it transitions from that into why is that, uh, why does this keep happening to me? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Harry has to go go up in front of everybody. Um, and kind of go into the room with the other champions and explain, I don't know how my name got in it. I did not put it in it. I did not ask anyone to put it in for me. And that also kind of raises the mystery. Like, oh, like how could it, how could it, how could the Goblet of Fire, this immensely powerful magical object been fooled? Um, And so... Dumbledore and all the other judges come in and obviously most of them are pissed and one of the worst things the movie did I like the movies very much Mm -hmm. um, but one of the biggest disservices the movie did was 
altering the way in which Dumbledore talks to Harry in this scene. In the movie, he, like, runs in and, like, slams Harry up against the wall and, like, yells at him. Did you watch your knife into the goblet of fire? Yeah, like, super accusing. Yeah, and in the book, it's none of that. It's, Harry, did you put your name into the goblet of fire? Like, it's very calm because Dumbledore doesn't lose his cool very much. Yeah. Um, I loved Michael Gambon as Dumbledore. Um, he was obviously the second uh, actor to play him. But I, I really liked and in every other movie besides Goblet of Fire, he's fine. Um, just in that adaptation, he was a little bit off character. Yeah, um, I agree. That is bizarre. I mean, that was a really intense scene, too. And like, yeah. all the fire going. And yeah, stuff. and like... It's not it's not Michael Gammon's fault either. I'm oh, sure no, the director no. told him be more yeah. intense. Anyway, um but much to the kind of dismay of the three other champions, Harry and Professor McGonagall, um the Goblet of Fire is a binding magical contract. Harry has to compete because his name was chosen. Um so they they're like, "Yep, this is what happens. Uh, the first task is like a month from now. Um, just get ready because it's gonna be it's gonna be a doozy. Um, <laughs> so Harry kind of has this little aside with Cedric, where Cedric's is like, "Hey, how'd you do it?" And Harry's like, "I I didn't." He's like, "All right," and then he he leaves. Yeah. Um, Anyway, <laughs> um, he goes into the common room and there's like this huge celebration. Like, I can't believe you did it, Harry. Like, even Angelina, who is in the running, is like, "Fuck yeah!" Like, fuck him up. Uh, <laughs> screw Cedric. Yeah. Um. And then, uh, but but that all comes at the price of Ron being kind of upset with Harry. I can't believe you didn't tell me that you know you got your name in the cup um and so ron is kind of being a prick and so that that just leaves harry in this kind of really like angry state we talked before about harry's capacity for anger um so one day in potions class um that they're they're testing antidotes and um Harry's like, oh, the last thing I want to do right now is be around Snape, who's just going to be a dick to me about this whole thing. And in the worst possible way, in walks Colin Creevy to uh, Harry's potions class. This kid, this weird kid who's like obsessed with Harry. Uh, We met him in Chamber of Secrets. And um, he's like, Professor Snape, uh, I gotta take Harry. Harry's needed upstairs, and Snape's like, "Why?" He's like, "I think they want to take pictures or something." And so, like, that's the worst thing you could have said to Snape, mm-hmm. who's just yeah. was already gonna give Harry a hard time. Now it's like, what the hell? Um. And uh, so Harry kind of goes upstairs, and he he finds that it's the the wand weighing ceremony. Uh, they're gonna talk about, um. Or they're they're gonna make sure all all the champions' wands are up to scratch, uh, and also maybe take a couple of pictures. Mm-hmm. 
And this is where we meet, finally, in the flesh, Rita Skeeter, who's going to be covering the tournament, uh, and who is just, yeah, a nasty, vile woman. Um, Tell her the name. Who is, yeah, right, uh, who is only interested in kind of skewing the narrative. Oh, hey, the media skewing a narrative. I wonder how that applies to real life right now. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, please do not... Please do not interpret that as me siding with a certain orange politician. Anyway, um, so she's just kind of really uh, so, so. So the the, the wand weighing ceremony is uh, presided over by uh, Mr. Ollivander, who um, obviously Harry and Cedric both bought their wands from, um, and who is uh, who was in the films uh portrayed by the late john hurt um r.i.p uh and um so so harry kind of watches the other champions get um get get their wands tested um fleurs that uh is made with the core of a vila hair the vila were these obviously beautiful kind of like ethereal creatures uh that we met um, at the Quidditch World Cup, um, and it, it's pretty funny because like well, the first time that Ron ever saw Fleur, he said, "I think she's a Vila," and so Harry makes a mental note when he finds out that she is in fact her grandmother was. He's like, "Oh, I should tell Ron." Oh wait, I'm not talking to Ron. Um, <laughs> and then he weighs crumbs, and then he he talks to Cedric Ollivander does, and um, he's like. I trust you're taking good care of it. And <laughs> Cedric's like, yeah, I polished it this morning. So that kind of, so Harry tries to like use his robes to like wipe off all the like smudges and fingerprints from yeah. his wand. <laughs> um, which like, that's real. Like, Oh, yeah, like oh shit. I didn't know I was supposed to polish this. <laughs> um, and, um, Rita Skeeter kind of pulls Harry's side and tries to talk to him. Uh, she, places a lot of false facts like he's crying and that uh he's 12 is another thing um so in the midst of all of this kind of craziness harry writes to sirius um once again saying like hey i my name came out of the goblet of fire like what the fuck is gonna go on like is gonna happen um and sirius shoots back um let's talk about this face to face meet me in the Gryffindor common room, um, on whatever, whatever day it is. And, uh, at 1am when no one else is in the common room. And, um, so once again, Harry, so the, the, with the first task coming up, Harry's like, I, I still don't know what this, this is all about. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what. Um, and, um, Cho Chang happens to be the only person outside of Gryffindor who wishes Harry good luck, um, which kind of makes his, he, he, it gives him a good feeling. Um, mm-hmm. and so on the day of that, that Sirius said, you know, meet me in the common room. Har- Hagrid also says, meet me at midnight outside. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Before that, uh, is the Hogsmeade, v- uh, visit before, uh, the first task and 
Hermione's like, come on, let's go to Hogsmeade. It'll be fine. And Harry's like, fine, but I'm going to go under the invisibility cloak so that, like, I can just not deal with anyone. Like, I can just relax. Yeah. And she's like, okay, that's weird, but fine. Um, and this is also when we find out that, uh, so he bumps into Moody and in, under the invisibility cloak. And Moody's like, oh, nice cloak, Potter. He's like, oh, shit, you can see me. Um which gives us a little more insight into um, the abilities of Mad Eye's Mad Eye, <laughs> and so yeah, so this is when Hagrid is like, "Meet me at midnight. I got something to show you." Uh, so Harry, kind of worrying about meeting his appointment with Sirius, he still goes down, and Hagrid <laughs> reveals. Um, the first test to Harry in the middle of um, this weird date he has with Madame Maxime. <laughs> um, and he takes him into the Forbidden Forest, and the first task is revealed being dragons. Um, so in the Harry Potter kind of overarching canon or whatever, um, I think like two of the biggest themes are are death and uh, like humans relationship with death um which we'll talk about i guess more later on in the series um but i i think also fear is one thing that's really significant um especially last year um we talked about kind of how ridiculous the the, the spell is like oh defeating your fear with laughter anyway um, actually, you know, bringing up fear and everything is a cool thing to talk about because the idea of bravery with Gryffindor is mm-hmm. such a big fact and big thing that's pushed in the series that kind of wouldn't be as prominent if it didn't have all the fear aspects thrown in. Yeah, it. right. He has to have something to be brave against exactly. uh, or in spite of. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the way I look at it... At it um, the the three tasks of the Triwizard Tournament are um, all kind of representative of a specific type of fear, um, and I, I I and that applies to the quote unquote unexpected task, which we'll talk about later on, which is the Yule Ball. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so oh, in in that idea, um, I think so. The dragon task, the first task, that's fear of a violent, messy death. Yeah. That's that's staring down the face of death. Uh, especially this Hungarian horn tail, which um, Hagrid remarks is particularly nasty. Mm-hmm. So guess which ha- uh, dragon Harry's getting? Anyway. Um, so Harry, so with this information, Harry's like, shit, I don't know what I'm going to do against a fucking dragon. Um, and he goes upstairs uh, to talk to Sirius, whose head is floating in the fireplace, uh, yes, yeah. as we have seen previously in this book. Um, and so Sirius kind of tells him, like, this is weird. Um, like... Uh, just be careful because someone might be out to get you people die in this tournament although they've assured us that no one's gonna die this year you know like someone says every year yeah well well (laughs) some like 
serious as like, you know, someone might be trying to get at you. Um, and Sirius also tells Harry that Karkaroff was once a Death Eater who uh, is now on their shit list because he kind of gave information to the Ministry of Magic about Death Eaters um, prior to becoming Headmaster of Durmstrang. Um, and what, what also happens um, is on his way back up to talk to Sirius, he, Harry sees that Karkaroff um was also kind of looking at the dragons so that makes madame maxime i uh karkaroff and by relation fleur and victor as well as harry the so anyway what i'm saying is harry deduces that oh cedric's the only one who doesn't know yet so that kind of like informs the decision harry tells cedric look, it's dragons, like, figure it out. Um, and so Harry's racking his brain. I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And um, so Moody kind of pulls him aside one day, and he's like, what are you going to do about your dragon? I know you know. Like, what's your plan? And Harry's like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I, I'm totally blind here. And he's like, okay, well, what are you good at? And he's like, I mean, I can play Quidditch. And so that kind of, and then that, that sparks off Harry, like, oh, I need to use my broom. Um, and so he stays up all night practicing the summoning charm with Hermione. Um, and so the day of the first task comes and it's obviously very terrifying. Harry can't eat. He's like really stressed out and, um, they go into the tent where they're, they're kind of all supposed to be gathering and um, they choose their dragons, um, leaving Harry, of course, with the Hungarian horntail, the nasty one that uh, Hagrid talked so lovingly about. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Harry also has to go last. So he just kind of has to sit in the tent and listen he can't see what's going on, but he has to listen to like what's going on, the screams and the cheers. Um, and so time comes for Harry to step out. He steps out and, uh, I mean, so, so, so the, 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 the dragons are guarding a golden egg, which the, the, the champions have to retrieve. And that kind of leads into a thing like, well, okay, if Harry knew a summoning charm, why wouldn't he just use it on the, the egg? But at the same time, it's got to show off kind of like your daring and your inventiveness. So like doing that probably wouldn't have gotten you very far. And I would also assume that like if they were setting up this tournament, they would. Yeah. Right. They'd probably that, put yeah. an anti summoning charm attachment yeah, to it. Mean, yeah. So the audience would be rather bored. If the, yeah. If right. Um, there. so, True to his word, Harry uses his broom. Uh, the the Accio, the summoning charm, works perfectly. Uh, and he kind of flies around. And it's very exciting for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he ends up getting the golden egg, I think, the fastest out of anyone. And um, they kind of, like, explain, like, well, so, or I think 
I, I might get this wrong, but like some, so one of the other champions tried to like transfigure a rock into a dog and like have the <laughs> dragon try to like chase the dog. Um, but yeah, Harry gets a really good score, um, except for um, from everyone except for for Karkaroff, <laughs> who who gives him a really low score just because, you know, to be an ass. Um, and so, they have this huge party in Gryffindor Tower, and. Um, to celebrate Harry's victory, and um, before this, Ron kind of comes up to Harry at the end uh, and says, "Like, dude, sorry. Obviously, you wouldn't have wanted this." Um, and um, Harry also learns that he's tied for first place. He got the same sorts crumb. Um, and so they have this huge party and the 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 they they tell them that the the second task will take place in February. Uh it's currently November. Um and so at the party Harry aha uh-huh. I, I I don't know that it is Harry in the movie it is, but in the book, I think someone might take it and like open the egg and it's just this like horrible screaming. And so they shut it and they're like, what the hell? (laughs) Um, meanwhile, Hermione kind of persuades Fred and George to let her know like, Hey, like, how do you get into the kitchens? Um, so that night they go down into the kitchens, um, to find da, 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 Dobby, uh, Dobby's working there. Um, <laughs> we get to meet him again, uh, after not, not seeing him for two books, um, or for a book. And, um, we're also, and he's like, you know, it's great here. All the other households think I'm a freak, but Dumbledore pays me and he gives me a day off every week. And it's great. I, I love, I love it here. And he's wearing all this like mismatched clothes, mm-hmm. uh, except for like, he doesn't have a shirt. And Ron's like, you know what? When uh, my mom sends me a sweater this this winter or this Christmas, I'll give it to you. And he's like, "Oh, that that's amazing." Um, and they also find sitting in the the kitchen, um, Winky, the house elf, uh, Barty Crouch, freed, mm-hmm. um, at the at the 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 World Cup, and uh, she is like getting hammered on butter beer. She's crying all the time. She's depressed. Um, so that kind of lets Hermione see the, the, like, Dobby is weird because any other house elf would be miserable. Um, but that does not uh, deter Hermione in the slightest. Um, <laughs> and so um, a few days goes by, and it's, it's getting into December, and um, McGonagall informs her her class that, um, in a chapter called The Unexpected Task, they are, um, nobody's going to go home for the holidays, and we will be holding the Triwizard Tournament staple, the Yule Ball. So, 
the unexpected task, the fourth task of the Triwizard Tournament is to find a date to a dance. So in the kind of like where the three other main tasks are like high stakes fears, um, and I will talk about the other two when we get to them, um, this one is I have to talk to a girl. um and you know i really like this this um i mean i relate i i've never been like an outgoing person so i i like that's a very crippling fear for me too um i'm not ashamed to admit that i mean i'm very shy i'm very um yeah reserved i guess um like like hell i i when i entered my previous and only relationship it was because she had the balls to talk to me about it first like and i'm also the thing is i'm also completely oblivious to if people are flirting with me i do not know I, <laughs> um so it's just like it's nice in between all this like crazy dark shit going on, it's this nice little like, oh, by the way, these are still kids. These are still 14 year olds and they ha- still kind of have these like real problems mm-hmm. that you do. It's like like the equivalent of prom for the series. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. Uh, and like Harry and Ron are so bad at it and it's really fun. <laughs> and Ron's in the old dress robes. Oh, yeah. And, and like he tries to ask out Fleur and oh one of the most awkward things is harry one day he goes to set a letter to sirius or something and he he goes up to the um allery and bumps into cho chang the girl he has a crush on and it's like in one really big long word he said do you want to go the the ball with me and she's like what i'm sorry and he's like do you want to go to the ball with me and she says no i'm going with cedric um and i mean with that kind of relatable note i think it it, we can kind of close this episode um let's end on a on a light note before uh the end of next episode is just a downer um so yeah this is the kind of the first i guess three-parter we'll have uh they only get longer so that might be the norm at least until we finish the series um and yeah i mean goblet has a lot of really like it it keeps the maturity going um while retaining obviously a very good grasp on what it is to be an adolescent uh no matter you whether you go to a a a magical or non-magical school um so thank you guys for joining us this week um i am sorry we missed the past two i i will do my very very best to avoid doing that um and also you know check out the facebook that's where we're most active um because it's kind of the easiest to like uh like it's the most accessible so um i think i might try facebook live stuff more in the future um so that'll be fun um 
And also, you know, I say this at the end of every episode, but tell your friends, share, like, just post about us because we would like to kind of average a, a few more listens per week. Um, but just you listening is also is really great. So, and I, I, from the bottom of my heart, do really appreciate it because this is a very personal um, and very... Uh, uh, a project that's very close to my heart. So I appreciate uh, anyone who listens. Um, and yeah, so thank you guys. Um, and we will be back next week uh, where we will hopefully conclude our talk about Goblet of Fire. Uh, I'm Bed Barnes, and this is The Wizarding Words. Be sure to follow Wizarding Words with Ben Barnes on SoundCloud and iTunes. Also, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr for constant updates and exclusive material.